you know, we're here to learn about healing. Amen. And um, the Lord had uh, just put it on, on my heart to start healing school, I guess, back in 20. Well, I guess I've been thinking about it for probably a year or more before we started it, you know. And so we started it in January of 2015. And um, uh, it's just an area that has such uh, health and sickness have such a controlling aspect of people's lives, you know, that so many times people end up spending all of their life energies and finances and time uh, and even their mental, uh, uh, their whole thought life is consumed by taking care of their physical needs because they're not well and they're sick and they have to, they've got doctor's appointments and they've got medicine to take care of and they've got schedule surgeries and recoveries and all of this stuff. And, and it's, uh, it's a constant battle for some people. And, and the Lord's desire is that we live completely and totally free from sickness and disease. And the Word of God uh, confirms that, you know, many times. And we've been teaching this class for, for, for um, well, this is our, starting our eighth year, right? Uh, this year, starting our eighth year of, uh, of teaching on this. And we don't hide from verses, you know, it's the, sometimes people are like, well, yeah, I talked about this or that, you know. Uh, we don't hide from any verses, and, and we try to read, you know, and uh, because sometimes people will think, well, there's conflict in the Word, right? That the Word of God says it's okay to be sick over here, now, I remember we talked about Trophimus, right, uh, uh, that uh, Paul left Trophimus sick at Miletum, and, um, uh, and that it does say that. It doesn't say that it's the will of God that he was sick. It just says it happened, right? Yep, yep. Uh, there's a lot of things that just happened that got nothing to do with the will of God. In fact, it's not, it's not the will of God. Uh, and so, you know, so we look at some scriptures like that because we don't want to just uh, pick and choose certain scriptures. Of course, when you're doing a topical study like we're doing on healing, you're kind of picking and choosing scriptures because you're not, you're not reading all the verses in a particular book, for example. You know, we actually do a verse-by-verse study on Wednesday nights, uh, and we're currently in the book of Philippians. But, uh, and so I think it's good in some studies to do a verse-by-verse because you're kind of forced to address verses that, you know, sometimes you don't even look at, you know, and... and um, uh, I know, you know, you all look at every verse, right? You're all super spiritual, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you read, you read a chapter and you go, I had no idea what I just read, you know? Uh, I mean, are we all breathing air, right? So you've all done it right, and, and it just happens, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the, in the Word of God, right? Especially in the Old Testament, you get into, like, Isaiah, you know, and like, what is he talking about, you know? And uh, you get into Ezekiel, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, hey, I have no idea, you know? <laughs> and so you get to Habakkuk or Amos or something, you know, and of course, now, reading the, you know, you can read some commentaries and get some good insight about what they're talking about because usually a lot of the uh, Old Testament, the minor prophets and even the major prophets are, there's things going on in Israel that they're dealing with, right? And, and so it's good to get some background, historical context of what they're talking about because a lot of what they discuss are current events, you know, but then they'll look out into the future and cover other things, right? And so finding out where they're sliding from one time frame to thousands of years in the future, you know, can be, uh, it takes some work to figure all that out, right? Uh, but we're here talking about healing, and so that's all we cover. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm very confident in my belief that it's God's will 100% of the time without exception to heal your body. Yes. Uh, and and my, that confidence is based solely on the Word of God, not because I just think that's a cool doctrine to have, uh, but it's the only doctrine to have. Yes. Amen? Yes. Uh, and, and if you have any other doctrine, you know, that, then uh, I think it would be helpful if people would actually state what they're saying in the most accurate way, you know, because sometimes people say like, well, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, God chooses not to heal you or he allows you to be sick. And so that's kind of a flowery way to say what they're really trying to say, which is 
God's desire in heaven, that as the great father in heaven looks at you, his child, and says, my desire is for you to be sick with this horrendous disease. I want that more than anything else. I can't imagine the Lord ever saying that, but that's really what they're saying, right? And if you would put it in those contexts, put it in those actual words, because, you know, if it's God's will, then it's his desire. And that's what he wants more than anything else. And so you're not changing it. You're really saying it exactly what you're saying, except you're saying it in a more accurate way, which would be really hard to accept, you know. Now, some people probably really do believe that because some people get, they, they get weird ideas about the Lord. He's up in heaven. He's just toying us with a little pond, you know, a little chess game. And he'll, you know, use a little pond and maybe that pond gets dead. And, well, you know, it's okay, you know, because you've got to lose a few ponds every now and then. And uh, I mean, they act like God's in heaven just playing games with us. And now the Lord's in heaven with one desire to get as many people into heaven as he possibly can. And that's the only reason why we're still on this earth. If, if, if he had as many people in heaven as he wanted, we'd all be in heaven. He'd shut this whole thing down and we'd move on to the, to the next uh, phase of eternity. Uh, but he's, he's not pleased, right? The Bible says that the, that, the, that the husband is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Yes. And so he calls all those heathens that people don't like precious fruit. Precious. Um, and he, he calls, I mean, if he call a heathen precious fruit, then what do you think he thinks about you? You know, surely you're surely at least as good as precious fruit, right? But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, some people are kind of the, the, the pit of, of fruit, you know, uh, you know, spit the pits out. But uh, at least that's what they think of themselves. The Lord doesn't think that. But um, uh, and so now if he if he counts the world, the precious fruit of the earth, how much more would he do good by his own children? Amen. Uh, and so so uh, we're here in, in this particular chapter. Uh, and this is uh, in Lillian B. Oman's book, uh, His Healing Power, and we're in, in chapter 8 of the second book, right? So there's four books in, in this particular book uh, that, she, that the uh, publishers just put her four small books together into one book here. And so she's been going through and looking at different, uh, different scenarios, uh, different healing cases in the scriptures, and she got to chapter 8 here and talking about Isaiah. So I think it'd be good just to read uh, just the beginning of that again in, uh, in Isaiah uh, chapter 38. Of course, this story, uh, Isaiah was the prophet that was sent to Hezekiah the king, but the story is mentioned in at least a couple other places in the word of God because uh, he, he's a king, right? So in the, in, um, I think it's in Second Chronicles, we're actually going to look at another scripture here in a, in a minute. Uh, but um, uh, uh, Isaiah comes to Hezekiah. So in verse 1, it says of Isaiah 38, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. Uh, and Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came uh, unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now, is the Lord expressing his will or desire in this statement or just his uh, knowledge of what's going to happen? There's nothing in here that says my desire is for you to die early. Right? There's nothing here. I'm expressing my will. Normally you'd live a long life, but, you know, I just I've had it with you. I'm going to you know, I want you to I want you dead, you know, to, is he, is he expressing any desire in this at all? No, and, that, and that's, if you would understand when you're reading the word, just a simple reading of the word is usually enough to understand what it's trying to say. But a lot of times we extrapolate and we add things to the word that's not really said, uh, and we get things all confused. No, there's nothing in here that says it's God's desire that this happens. But God knows everything that's going to happen, so just because he says it's going to happen doesn't mean that it can't be changed, right? Uh, I mean, there's lots of times, this is one of the best one, best examples that, the Lord knows that if everything stays exactly the way that it, that it is, this is what's going to happen. Uh, and that, now he doesn't say anything in here to Hezekiah. He just said, set your house in order for you're going to die. He didn't say, pray about it, you know, seek my face, try to get out of it. 
He didn't give them any instructions. And, and sometimes the Lord will do that. You know, sometimes he'll just say, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then you've got to find out, what are you willing to do? You know, uh, Abraham did that, right, with, with, with Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Moses did that many times, right? The Lord said, I'll kill them all, and I'll raise up a great nation from you, Moses. Now, that's a pretty good offer because, you know, Moses was just as tired of them as God was. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think often at times about what would have happened if, if I had been in charge of Israel uh, and the Lord came and made that deal with me. I'd be like, okay, Lord, can you start with that guy over there? Because, you know, he has been a thorn in my side. And then next after him, that guy over there, right? Just do them, do those two first, and then you can just do whoever you have to, you know. Uh, you know, what would you have done, right? I, you know, I think, what would I have done? But I thank God that Moses was the man, right? Moses was like, oh, no, no, you can't do that, Lord. You're going to have mercy on them. Because we're not having the people out there in the world saying, God brought them out in the wilderness just to kill them. We're not having that, Lord. This is what you're going to do. Remember what Abraham said? Abraham said, shall not the judge of the earth do right? And the Lord said, well, you know, based on your words, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Because you asked, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll change it, you know. And these are Old Testament people. These were not children of God. I mean, they were children in the sense that he called, called it. But they didn't have the, the father-son relationship that we have, right? They were his people. But, you know, we've got an upgrade. He said they called them friends, but he calls us children. Amen. So we've got an upgrade from the people of God in the Old Testament, and yet they stood before the Lord and said, shall not the, earth, shall not the judge of the earth do right? Uh, and so, so sometimes, you know, the Lord will tell you something, and then, and then he's going to find out what kind of faith that you've got. What are you going to do about it? Uh, amen. And now from, from the way that I operate is if the Lord doesn't tell me that I can't pray about it, I'm going to pray about it. Because if he says, you're going to die tomorrow, I'm going to be like, well, Lord, let's talk about it. What's going on? Uh, you know, there was a story with uh, Dr. Dufresne many years ago that uh, he'd had, he'd actually gone in for some dental work and he said, well, I've got this problem too. You know, it's on my jaw or something and it was swollen and, you know, hey, dentist, while you're there, you know, can you poke around and see if there's anything going on there? You know, and he poked around and, and he said, and, he, and the doctor gave him a slip, said, this is a specialist. He's a friend of mine. You go see him, you know. And so he went to go see him, and the specialist poked around, you know, other places, and, and said, um, uh, uh, "Come back and bring your wife." And uh, they came back, brought the wife. It's kind of ominous, you know. He said, "Well, you need to go home and, and plan on dying because you have this terminal illness, whatever it was." You know, he never did say what it was, but uh, you're going to die. There, there's no way out. Well, did he just go home and cry and just and just uh, uh, freshen up his will? No, he went to the Lord and said, "Lord, what's up?" I mean, that's what I would do. What's up? You know, uh, I mean, you promised long life, right? Did you promise? He did promise long life, right? Uh, and so what's up? And the Lord said, well, I, I told you to rest, you know, because Dr. Dufresne, before he got uh, born again and in the church, he was just, you know, one of these guys that just worked 24 hours a day, right? Some people just that, just that way, right? They just work all the time. And I think that's part of who God makes you, but you have to find the balance of faith in that, right? Uh, and, and, you know, some people, they just love doing certain things so much that they will neglect the Lord, right? And neglect their calling. And, you know, Dr. Dufresne had gotten, he got involved in all kinds of business dealings and all kinds of things. And, uh, and the Lord said, I, you know, I told you to rest because you need, and I don't know that it was necessarily just physical rest, but sometimes you need, you know, uh, brain rest, right? Uh, and, um, and I, uh, you know, last semester I was teaching a particular class and it was, a, it was an engineering class, which I haven't done that particular kind of engineering in a long time. And so, I call those those days my brain days, you know, and and, uh, uh, and I mean, I was just in the book, you know, hours every every day for class there. 
uh, and I, I mean, I, there's no telling how many hundreds of hours I spent in preparation for that class, you know, for the whole semester. But it's brain days, you know, and they can be exhausting. You know, you're just sitting at a chair and, well, how hard that is. Well, you know, we'll go swap jobs for a while and we'll see how, how hard you think it is, right? Every job is, is unique, got its own aspects of it, right? And so, but he wouldn't rest. And, and so he got out of the will of God. So the problem wasn't that he wasn't resting. The problem is he was out of the will of God. And being out of the will of God is always, is always dangerous, especially the more that you know the Lord and the more uh, of the Spirit of God you walk in. Because the, the greater of the Spirit of God that you walk in, the less, uh, the less sin he will put up with. You know, you know, now carnal Christians, they seem like, well, how come they get away with everything? Well, they seem like they can't get away with anything, except if you look at their life, they have no joy, they have no healing, they got no prosperity. You know, they're just, they're carnal Christians, and so they have none of the blessings of the Lord, but they don't die, and so, you know, well, you know, that, that's okay. I mean, you, and you can look at the example, the greatest example, I think, is in the Old Testament with Moses and the nation of Israel. And how carnal was the nation of Israel? I mean, carnal as a day is long, right? You know, we had a better in Egypt. You know, you know this, this golden calf brought us out of, out of Egypt, right? I mean, you know, you just made it, right? And that, in fact, that's an earring right there, right? Remember, they took their earrings off you? That's an earring. In fact, it's got a little earwax still on it right there, right? I mean, that's just... How'd that bring you out of Egypt, right? That didn't bring you out of Egypt. Uh, and they knew it didn't bring them out of Egypt, but, you know, they're just super carnal people. And, and yet, how many times did they sin before they were not allowed to go into, into the promised land? Anybody remember? Yeah, well, how, how many times did, they, did, did the Moses, they, they sinned 10 times. And after the 10th time, uh, the Lord said, they're not going in, right? And it was after they came back from, from uh, the spying out the land, right? But they sinned 10 times. The first time, they were still going to the promised land. Second time, they're still going to the promised land. Third time, they're still going to the promised land, right? Ninth time, they're still, if they had not sinned after the ninth time, they'd all gone in the promised land. Well, why is that? Because the Lord's merciful. So 10th time, okay, that's it. Lord said, uh, you're going in after you all die. Uh, it took them 40 years to die off, right? And so <laughs> I'm sure Moses is like, will you just die? We want to go in. I mean, you know, nothing personal, but, but hey, you know, Bob, you're the last one. I mean, and you're just hanging on. Just go on. You know, we want to go in the promised land. I'm sure nobody thought that because everybody's super spiritual, right? Uh, but I'm sure somebody's thinking, you know, how old is Bob now? Wow, you know, go on, Bob, you know? Uh, and so... But then Moses, how many times did he sin? One time. Didn't he go to the promised land? One time. Till he got ten times. Moses, one time. That's it. You know, and people think, well, then it'd be better to be like the children of Israel. Uh, and see, to, to me, that's a, a great contrast because, yeah, you could be carnal like the children of Israel. Sin all you want to. Get away with it a lot of times, you know. I mean, of course getting away with it is relative, right? I mean, the earth swallowed up, ate them a few times. You know, they got bit by snakes a few times, right? They had plague come on them a few. I mean, that's a tough way to live, right? But, you know, Moses, none of that stuff happened to him. So would you rather live like the children of Israel, carnal, and yeah, you might get eaten by the earth sometimes, but, you know, if you can avoid it and live, your, live, you know, make it through it, you know, you can survive a little bit, you know. Or be like Moses and see God. Remember what the Lord told uh, Miriam and Aaron? Did I speak to prophets uh, um, through visions, but I, I speak to Moses face to face. Uh, so what would you rather have? Would you rather have the relationship that Moses had with the Lord or that the nation of Israel had with, with the Lord? I, I want to pursue the relationship that Moses had with the Lord. But the problem with that is the greater, the closer you get to the, to the top of the mountain uh, with your relationship, the pickier the Lord is. 
because the level of the Spirit of God is greater in your life. Now, uh, he's holy, right? And so is it, worth, is it worth the cost? See, to me, it's worth the cost, right? Just, just like if you look at, uh, I mean, you look at uh, Acts chapter 5, right? That's a good example. Uh, Acts chapter 5, right in that area, the Bible says how the church had uh, major signs and wonders and miracles going on in the church. And then Ananias and Sapphira lied about how much money they gave and died. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that, if that was the, if that was the, the baseline, mm. I mean, how many churches would be just empty, mm. right? No lying. I mean, you lie, you're dead. I mean, you know, how many times have people just looked at you and just lied like a dog, right, uh, to your face? You know, I can't tell you how many people just lie, you know, well, pastor, you know, something came up, you know, whatever, uh, and, and um, just lying. Well, why, why, why can people get away with that today in the church, but they couldn't get away with it when, when uh, Peter was running the church? Because of the level of the Spirit of God at that point in time, you know, you can't, you know, it, it's, just, it's just like fire and gas, right? You can't put those two together without there being a problem. And so, you know, the fire of the Holy Ghost comes in and, and it will not put up with sin, and if sin tries to get into the presence of the Spirit of God, that sin will expire, right? I mean, that body will just expire. It can't handle, uh, it can't handle that. Uh, and so it's not so much God killing, God's not killing anybody, but sin, you know, and, and people are so, it's amazing to me how people are so unafraid of the Lord. To be so carnal and just walk in, just, you know, just not, you know, just, I mean, just so disrespectful to the spirit of God, right, in church uh, and just act like, you know, just sit around, you know, just I mean, it just it's just like nails on a chalkboard. I mean, to me, it's just we're on holy ground. Right. I mean, you know, you uh, we get in the presence of God. We're on holy ground uh, and we sh- and, and, you know, you all do a great job. You know, and I think a lot of the church does a great job. But every now and then you get you get some, you know, some carnal Christian that just walks in and just has no concept of the glory of God. And just as carnal and disrespectful, disrespectful, you know, with with uh, acts, you know, it cost them their life, right? But Yeah. Southern Adventist University, 28 years old, and he wanted to get rid of our pastor and put him in his place. <laughs> 28 years old. Yeah, yeah. So, and he was serious, and this guy has a lot of money. Yeah. And he maneuvered, and then he drew in the Catholic spy guy. And yeah, he yeah, yeah. He thought he could manipulate the faith of God. I mean, it's a whole, it sounds like a soap opera. Well, anyway, I come, I, I was uh, counting the offering yesterday, and I come out to put the count sheet in the Yeah, they're back. They're back. <laughs> and, I was like, and my mouth went, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, did, and they have no, they, you know, it doesn't matter that he took, you know, slit our church. Yeah. Took off a bunch of people, about 30 people. No, no, you know, no fear. Yeah, I don't understand if people um, have no fear of the Lord at all, you know. I mean, there's things that. I see people do in church and do to other Christians in church or say things about other Christians. And, and I'm thinking, you've not actually met the Lord ever, have you? 
because he is not happy with that, you know. But, but you know, today, because as a whole, the level of the Spirit of God in the church as a whole is so much less than it was when Peter was here. And I believe the Lord desires to get that spirit, that level of the Spirit back up to where it's supposed to be, right? To where we walk in and, and you know, uh, I mean, if you fall dead, you'll bounce off the ground and come back to life, you know, because that much Spirit of God, you know, in, yeah. in the church. Uh, and I believe that's where the Lord wants to get the church to. But, you know, he can't, he can't coexist with carnality. Now, you're always going to have carnality in every church. You're never going to get it out of every church. But, you know, you think about uh, how, uh, how carnal the church was immediately after Ananias and Sapphira. Everybody was perfect saints of God for at least a little while, right? Yeah. You know, after Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, so, you know, all of that, you know, uh, and in that atmosphere, spectacular things can happen, right? Because it's always by the Spirit of God. Everything that we do, all the miracles and signs and wonders are always done by the Spirit of God. It's never not done by the Spirit of God. It's always by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if the church would learn to honor that and, and protect it and, and, and desire it, we would all see the Spirit of God, the level of the Spirit of God increase in all the churches, right? Uh, and, you know, the Lord's not a respective churches. He's not only going to do that in Pentecostal churches, right? He's going to do that in anywhere that, that people long for him. Amen. Uh, and, you know, we may have more insight or revelation in the Pentecostal church because we teach about it more, but he will go anywhere, anywhere that people long for him. He will go uh, and that are willing to do that. And so uh, and so uh, to me, it's worth the cost, right? It's worth the co- I would much rather be Moses. I'm not Moses. I'm just saying I'd much rather have uh, the relationship that Moses had with the Lord than the relationship that the children of Israel had with the Lord. Well, I got away with 10 sins. Well, yeah, but did you see the Lord? You know, did you see the finger of God write stuff on the tablets? You know, uh, I mean, I would have loved to see. Wouldn't you love to see that? You know, uh, instead of, well, I made a cow. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's your, that's your claim to fame. You know, I made a cow, right? Um, that's not very impressive, especially looking back on it. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, the, the Lord's will is not expressed in this verse, right? It was just a statement. It, so it, so uh, oftentimes, and really I think if the Lord doesn't say that this, this cannot be changed, that I think the Lord is waiting on us to see if we're willing to, to put the work toward changing it, right? And typically it's going to be changed through prayer. So that's what Hezekiah did, right? He, he, uh, uh, it says in verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Uh, and, uh, you know, based on, on Sue's question, I, just, I looked into that a little bit more. And, and apparently the way they set up these these uh, uh, these rooms where the kings were at, you know, a lot of times back then, uh, they didn't really have private quarters. They're very public areas, right? And so they built the couches along the walls. And so people would be there and milling around, even in the king's uh, court there. Uh, and, and so to avoid or to turn away from the people and, and get some private time with the Lord is why he turned his face uh, to the wall. And he prayed, right? And so it changed the course. So, you know, just because a doctor says you have terminal cancer or terminal anything, right? Maybe you've got a terminal itch or whatever it is. Uh, just because a doctor says that, he's not expressing the will of God. He's expressing that if nothing else changes, this is the course that you're on. Uh, and if you get a good doctor, you know, like Miss Sue's got a good doctor, then he'll hook up with you to change that course and direction, Right. Uh, and so, uh, so did Hezekiah get healed? He did, right? And, and uh, I know they, they put they, they put the the, uh, the fig the, the figs on his knee there, 
And so it seems like it was maybe some blood infection or something that was there. We don't really know what it was, but uh, I know a lot of times boils will get infected. They'll be at joints in, in different places. And, uh, you know, I was looking, uh, thinking about when I was growing up, we used to get boils all the time. You ever have a boil, right? And you have this big thing swell up in your leg. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, I, I never got any of those after I got older. And I got to thinking, yeah, because I was dirty as a pig growing up. And, I, you know, <laughs> and, you know, you get dirt in it and every little cut, you're going to get infection, right? And I'm thinking, so that's why we always had all, because we had them all the time in the house, right? It's like, oh, you got a boil. Oh, yeah, let's squeeze the thing, right? And see what happens. And, and we'd squeeze the fire. It was just so gross, you know, and, and disgusting. And I got, you know, thinking one day, well, how come I never got those after I became an adult? It's because I started taking a bath, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, you know, God can heal you, but, you know, you could just take a bath too, right? I mean, so maybe, has, you know, of course, back then, who knows if they took baths, you know, with Hezekiah, he knows what the deal was there, but uh, uh, maybe he needed to take a bath too, but, but he got healed, right? Uh, and then uh, let's turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 32. So this is a, a, another uh, rendition of this particular story here. It doesn't give us as many details, but it gives us some important details. So in Second Chronicles chapter 32, uh, let's start in verse uh, uh, 23 here. It says, And many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from henceforth. So that's kind of an important deal, right? So uh, in Hezekiah overall, you know, he was overall a fairly good king, right? Better than most. Uh, uh, not as good as David and probably not as good as Solomon, at least to begin with. But, you know, better than a lot of them. A lot of them were just plain old heathens, right? Uh, and so it says, in, in those days, in verse 24, Hezekiah was sick to death. Uh, now, we hear people say that today, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sick to death of you doing that, right? Uh, and I would encourage you, don't say that phrase, right? Uh, uh, I'm sick and tired of you doing that, you know? Uh, and so... I don't talk like that. You know, the Lord doesn't talk like that. So I would encourage you, don't talk like that. Uh, and so it says that he was sick to death and prayed unto the Lord and he spake unto him and he gave him a sign. So that's the sign. Remember the sign that Hezekiah said or uh, Isaiah said, what do you want to know? Right. Because Hezekiah. Well, uh, Isaiah said uh, after he prayed, after Hezekiah prayed, Isaiah came back to him, and said the Lord said uh, he's going to give you 15 more years. And Hezekiah said, how do I know? Uh I just told you that the Lord said he's going to give you 15 more years, right? I mean, what, what else you want to know? Well, I want a sign. Well, the Lord was gracious to give him a sign. Now, I don't think that would work very well in the New Testament because in the New Testament, we have the Spirit of God in us and we don't need a sign. We have a sign. It's called the Spirit of God, right? He will bear witness with us that this prophet, what he's saying is so, right? So we don't need a sign. We have a sign. Uh, but Hezekiah wanted the sign. So the Lord said, okay, what do you want? He said, uh, well, let's make the, the sundial go back 15 degrees. Okay, no problem. Uh, and, and, of course, I think that's a huge problem, right? You know, I, I was trained as an engineer. I think a lot about, you know, how'd you do that? I mean, you got the earth spinning around here. You got the sun spinning over there. You got the moon spinning over there. Everything's spinning around. And you're going to make all that go backwards 15 degrees, right? I mean, right now, this very second, you're traveling at 1,000 miles an hour around the earth, right? So if you were traveling 1,000 miles an hour and you stopped immediately and went backwards, you'd be all squished like a bug, right? I mean, if you go from 1,000 miles an hour to zero, you're going to be a bug, right? But then the earth itself is traveling at 66,000 miles an hour. So right now, this very second, you're traveling at 66,000 miles around the, around the sun. So if, so if you wanted to, so did he make the whole earth go? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, we have no idea, right? But he's God. He'd go, yeah, we'll just do it. Uh, now, I, I, how he did that, we have no idea, right? But he did that, didn't he? 
And so a lot of people say, well, there's no way he could do that because it would be a hard thing to do, wouldn't it? I mean, but he's God. He literally created everything by saying light be, right? Uh, and so I think he's pretty smart enough to figure it all out, right? Now, it would just blow our minds when we get to heaven. I want some details, right? I'm like, Lord, how'd you, you know, show me how you did it. Because I'm sure he did it at the atomic level. I mean, I don't know, but I'm just guessing that. If we want to talk about this at lunchtime, it's better a, a lunch discussion, right, about the mechanics of how he made this happen. But he made it happen. That was a sign that Hezekiah got. So the Lord healed him, gave him 15 more years. Now, he didn't say 15 more years and that's it. I ain't giving you no more. He just said 15 more years. I'm going to add to your life, right? Now, could he have gotten 15 more? I mean, uh, we don't know. There's no reason why he couldn't have got 15 more. So what did Hezekiah do after that? It says in verse 25, but Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore was the wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. So uh, after he got healed, he got all proud, right? Uh, and then he, uh, in fact, I've got a couple other translations of this, of this verse here. Uh, one translation says, but Hezekiah did nothing for the Lord in return for the benefit bestowed on him because his heart had become proud. And one translation says, but Hezekiah was too proud to respond appropriately to the kindness that he had received. And he, along with Judah and Jerusalem, experienced anger. And then uh, one final translation says, but Hezekiah was so proud that he refused to thank the Lord for everything he had done for him. Uh, and so, um, you know, uh, being thankful is very valuable. I mean, the, the whole problem with Hezekiah was that he was not thankful after being healed. Uh, and you ever seen people receive a blessing from the Lord and go, it's about time. You know, he should have done it sooner than that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? People just are unthankful, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, we should be thankful to the Lord every day. Just thankful to the Lord every day for breathing air and, and, and being here and having him live on the inside of us and providing us with wisdom and revelation and, and protection and safety. And, uh, and then if the Lord does something spectacular for us like this, we should be so thankful. But see, Hezekiah wasn't, and he died, right? So he died. Um, it says, uh, 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 Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of God came not upon them in the day of Hezekiah. So he did straighten up a little bit, but uh, he, he did not thank the Lord for that particular thing, right? So later on, and so he was proud of, of all the nations that came to visit him, right? He, he got full of pride of, hey, we must be important, all these nations to come to visit us. Um, and so uh, pride is one of those things that it's really, uh, it's really a bad idea to get involved with pride, right? So, uh, so the, the, the whole point of this, though, is the Lord has foreknowledge of, of all things, and he knows, he knows right now that uh, unless anything changes, he knows the day that you and I will breathe our last breath on the earth. Now, that's not set in stone. It's just set in his knowledge, right? He knows that because he's the Lord, right? Uh, and so then we get to decide, what are we going to do about it, right? So, so I never did finish with, with uh, Dr. Dufresne. So the Lord, uh, the doctor said, you need to go home and die. So he went to the Lord and said, what's up? And the Lord said, well, you won't rest. Uh, and um, so Dr. Dufresne said, well, then I need to repent. Uh, and, and he did. He repented to the Lord. And... Um, uh, and the Lord uh, took that away from him, right? Healed him of whatever that terminal thing was. And he was fine for many years after that. Uh, and I think it's probably a couple of decades after that, maybe. And, uh, but he still died when he was 72 years old. 
But I remember going to his services and he said, you know, uh, from 60 to 70, uh, you know, the Lord told me this was going to happen. From 70 to 80, he told me this was going to happen. From 80 to 90, he told me this was going to happen. But he died at 70, right? So when he get to heaven, I'm going to, you know, have a conversation with him. Yeah, you told me you was going to be here. You know, I, I needed you to be here. I needed to learn a few more things from you before you left the earth. You left early. Uh, and so I might send that in a text message or something, you know, instead of face to face, you know. Uh, but, um, uh, but still, you know, uh, in his heart, he knew what the Lord wanted him to do. And so that was the will of God that he was there at least until he was 90 years old. I believe it was the will of God. And yet, uh, now I don't know what, I'm not going to, well, he was in sin. I don't know what it was, but, I, but from his previous testimony, I suspect that he got involved in something again. And, you know, when we think of sin, we think of, you know, like adultery. I mean, it's in a paper all the time, right? Or something major like that. But again, when you're, when you're walking that close with the Lord, it could just be like, hey, I need you to rest two days, two hours a day. And you rest one hour a day. I mean, is that sin? Well, it's sin if the Lord told you to rest two hours a day, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's one of those things that, that you've got to be careful about with the Lord that, you know, it, uh, it, sin for the Lord is not just adultery and fornication and things like that. Sin is missing the mark. So if the Lord said, here's the mark for you, here's the path for you, uh, you know, Brother Hagen got in that trouble many times over the years because he was called into the office of the prophet and teacher. Uh, and that's really why his, his books and materials are so good because he wrote them from a standpoint of the prophet teacher as opposed to just a teacher teacher, right? Nothing wrong with being a teacher teacher. Uh, but, uh, and there's not really such thing called the teacher teacher, right? It's just a plain old teacher, right? But uh, from the standpoint of the, the prophet teacher, there's more insight, more revelation that comes along with that, with that office. But, you know, the prophet's role is a little more confrontational than a teacher's role. Teacher's role is just to expound, you know, and I'm a teacher, right? I expound and, uh, and um, I mean, just come to Wednesday night, we've been expounding, you know, we'll expound forever on, on uh, Philippians if that's what it takes, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, he, he was such a nice guy. He didn't always like doing that, right? He didn't always like saying, hey, straighten up. And, uh, you, you know, uh, back in, um, in 1999, uh, this was about four years before Brother Hagen passed. Um, he called a, a meeting. You know, people call it the financial summit, but you know he didn't call it that. It was just he called a meeting of, of all the wheels in the church, right? Big names. If I mentioned all of the names to you, you know every one of them. Uh, and you know Brother Hagen was that kind of. He, you know he could call up anybody. Hey, and he said, "Come to Tulsa. I need to have a conversation with you all." And the point of the conversation was to to. Uh, get things back in balance, specifically in the area of finances and money, because there's a lot of there, there's a lot of philosophy that goes around the church. You know, for example, that the pastor is the priest of the church, and so as a priest, you give the offerings to me, right? Well, I'm not the priest of the church; I'm a pastor, right? So you don't give your offerings to me; we give our offerings to the Lord, right? And I don't take up an offering; I receive an offering, right? Uh, in fact, you've never heard me say, "Well, let's get ready to take up the offering." Uh, I don't take anything, you know, I receive an offering. It's that way, you know, if you give, that's fine, then I receive it, right? If I take it, you may not be willing, right? I may just take it anyway, just give it to me, you know, shut up, give me that. Uh, and so we don't take up an offering, right? We receive an offering. Uh, and so uh, the point of the, of the meeting was to straighten up. So he went to the leaders, right? Uh, of course, he'd written books, you know, and if you read his books, his books, especially in the area of finances, are very, very fundamental, right? Tithe, give offerings, and then that's it, right? 
And your faith is in those two things, tithes and giving offerings. Uh, it is not in, hey, I've got a special anointing, send your money to me, and, you know, and the Lord will bless you double if you give to me. Uh, and, or if you send like a $10 offering, I'll give you a little red ribbon, and you put this around your waist, and you lose weight. You know? Or if you're too skinny, you put it around your waist, and you'll gain weight. I mean, stupid things like that. And dumb, dumb things. I mean, and, the, and, you know, the thing to me is it's like, okay, it's dumb. But why does anybody fall for it? You know, if nobody fell for the dumb things, there wouldn't be any dumb things going on, right? If, if I stood up and said, hey, if you'll send me an offering personally, right, put Chip Bolio on the, on the check, not the church, right, uh, I'll send you a red ribbon, and it'll cause you to lose weight. All of you should stand up and walk out the door immediately. You know, I ain't going back there. You know, I don't need no red ribbon, you know. I'm, well, you know, red ribbon, you know, whatever you talking about. Uh, and so, so he was trying to bring in some, some order back to the church. You know, and for example, he believes, and I believe from the word of God that, uh, you know, according to Malachi, you bring your tithes to the storehouse. And he said, the storehouse is your local church, right? This is your storehouse of where you get your spiritual feeding from, right? So you bring your tithes and then you, then you can send your offerings to wherever the Lord would lead you to do that. Uh, and everybody in that meeting, in fact, I remember that particular one, uh, and that was before I was a pastor, but I always sent my tithes to the, my local church. And if I wanted to give something to others, to other ministry, I would send an offering, not, a t- not my tithes. And, and Brother Hagin said, according to the word of God, that's what I believe the Lord, the, the Lord wants it. Because the local church is where you get your most help from, right? I mean, when you get married, the local church is there. When you get buried, the local church is there. When you need somebody to come visit you in a hospital, the local church is there. If you need food or assistance or whatever, the local church is there. That, you know, the, the TV evangelists aren't going to come visit you at the hospital, right? And nothing against that. That's not their role, right? That's the role of the local pastor. And so that's where the majority of your, uh, of your finances should go. Uh, and everybody's, oh, yeah, uh, we agree with that. Well, after he died, uh, and I saw it on TV myself, one of the ministers got up and said, all you pastors who, they were in the meeting, but they were saying this, all you pastors who say tithes uh, go to the local church, you need to get over it. Uh, and mad about it too you need to get over it you know they could send their tithes anywhere they want to now that person i heard them with my own ears because it wasn't a video but it's not that they said to brother hagan i, I agree 100 percent with that brother Hagen. he dies and they change the horses right why because you know i mean say you give tithes of a hundred dollars a week but you send the tv evangelist ten dollars a week well they'd much rather have the hundred dollars a week wouldn't they i mean you get an upgrade right but the problem is they ain't going to go marry nobody. They're not going to bury anybody or, or go to the hospital or, or feed the people that come by the church, you know, and those types of things. And, uh, and so, uh, but they wanted your money, right? They want you to give their tithes to them. Well, how's that going to affect the local church? Local, I mean, you know, it's not about money, but, you know, you got to have money for stuff, right? And, and so, uh, so the whole point of the meeting was to straighten up some of the weird doctrine, right? But it, it's like a five-hour meeting, and Brother Hagin probably spoke, I bet he spoke an hour and a half out of the total. And other people were telling these long stories that were fine. But why are you talking at all? Brother Hagin called you to him. He didn't say, hey, come tell me a story. He said, come, I've got, a, I've got some things to straighten up in the church. Mm-hmm. And so that should have been the last, after you said, yes, sir, that should have been the last two things you said, right? Yes, sir, I'll be there. And that should have been the last thing you said. But so... He, all of that, is, he didn't like that. He didn't like that particular role. Now, he, he did yield to it as, as much as he could, but he didn't like telling people they were wrong. And now most of those ministries, you know, they had weird uh, doctrine about, you know, about finances, just weird, 
you know, not from the scriptures. I pull some weird thing out of the Bible and, and, and come up with some weird doctrine. But the whole point of it was always the weird doctrine always somehow magically caused their finances to increase. Them personally, right? Didn't help you any, but it helped them. Uh, and when, when the teaching only helps the minister, there's something wrong with the teaching, right? If it hurts you but helps me, there's something wrong with the teaching. And so, because, you know, uh, well, we, that's another whole discussion there. But um, so he got in trouble many times because he didn't want to stand in the office of the prophet. He wanted to stand in the office of the teacher. He liked that better, right? Because everybody loves a teacher. Uh, and so, uh, so he, he nearly died a couple of times uh, in his ministry in life uh, before, you know, he died, eventually died when he was 86, uh, which, you know, a lot of the great men and women of God died in their mid-80s, right? Uh, and so I think he lived, he lived the fullness of his life, at least to that point. Uh, and, um, uh, but he had talked at one time about living to be 120. And if he lived to be 120, um, well, he wouldn't still be with us today, but he'd been close, right? Uh, and so, because he died when he, well, he died when he was 86, so that'd have been, yeah, 34 years. You know, he's only been gone for 20, less than 20, 19 years. So yeah, he'd still be with us. So uh, I'm going to let Chris tell him that she was totally disappointed in him leaving early <laughs> when we get to heaven, right? And so... Um, so the point, is, the point is, if you get out of the will of God, uh, you know, in the area of healing, a lot of times people are sick only because they're out of the will of God. And, you know, you could have 100 people look at that person and go, there's, they, they're doing no sin. And, and there's no obvious appearance of sin when you look at them. But the Lord says they're in sin because they're out of his will. You know, I mean, just just ad advancing the office of the teacher more than advancing the office of the prophet, who, who in here would ever say, well, well, obviously he's just not, not yielding to the office of the prophet nearly as much as he should be. He should be doing that more than a teacher. Mm. Nobody would be like, you know, yeah, that's obvious. That, you know, we'd be like, what's wrong with that, you know? Uh, but see, the Lord knows that. Uh, and to see if you get outside the will of God, it's not that God is punishing you. You remember uh, we had this discussion before. You look in the Old Testament, of course, you know, you've got to always take everything of the Old Testament with a bit of a grain of salt because you know, a lot of reasons. But, but, you know, when the Lord came to Israel many times and said, if you do the things that I tell you to do, you'll be well, like in Deuteronomy 28, right? He said, but if you don't do everything I say, then all these bad things are going to kind of come upon you and overtake you. But a lot of times people read the Old Testament as threats that if you don't do what I say to do, I'm going to come and beat you up. But they should be reading it as a warning. That if you don't do what I say you're going to do, you're going to be out on the property of the devil in his territory where he has full rights and privilege to do with you whatever he wants to, especially back then before the Lord Jesus came and took his authority away from him. Then it's a warning. And see, to me, when it's a warning, it's a lot easier to accept because this is good. That's bad. You know, instead of this is good. But if you're out there, you know, if you're over here, I'm going to be nice to you. If you're over there, I'm going to be mad at you. That's the way a lot of people read the Old Testament. But the way you should read it is this is where he's going to be uh, able to take care of you. And when you cross that border over there and get into sin, he's unable to take care of you. And you're subject to the whims of the devil. And that's the correct reading of the word. And that's really the correct reading of, of how God operates inside his will. Nation of Israel, never sick, never defeated. Outside of his will, everything bad happened. Well, that should tell you something right there, because if, if it was mixed where they were in his perfect will, but sometimes they still got sick or sometimes they still got defeated. Well, then you just never know. You just never know when you can avoid being sick or avoid being defeated because in his perfect will, yeah, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Outside of his perfect will, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. 
Well, that'd be tough to discern the will of God then or the, or the blessings of the Lord if that was the case, but that's not the case. The case in the Word of God is every time in the perfect will of God, perfect safety and protection and health. Outside of His perfect will, destruction and death. Okay, that should make it really simple to understand, right? Uh, they, they were never defeated, never sick, right? How many, came, uh, how many were sick that came out of Egypt? Nine. Not one. And, and, it, it, and I like the way it says it. It was not one feeble. They didn't say there was even one with a terminal sickness. Feeble means weak, right? So they weren't even, they were a weak person, right? They were all strong coming out of Israel. That's pretty amazing, right? Uh, and so, so the, the will of God is such an important thing to understand because people are so rebellious, right? The, the human beings by nature, because of the sin nature in us, that sin nature is always rebellious, right? Because it came from the very beginning, right? It came from ultimately lucifer and satan and what he did his original sin was rebellion i want to do what i want to do i want to be the uh, like the most high god i'm going to exalt my throne above the most high god and just plain old garden variety of rebellion people act like it's so sophisticated oh you know i'm fighting against the lord it's like <laughs> yawn boring boring sin it's not impressive it's not it's not sophisticated it's not intelligent it's boring and old and dusty and out of date, yes. right? And people act like they're so sophisticated to rebel against the Lord. Boring, seen yes. that uh, story a thousand times. Oh, yeah. And it always ends the exact same way. I can tell you the story, how it starts and how it ends. Uh, and so don't let people look down upon you that are in complete rebellion. Oh, you're one of those church people. Yeah, and I'm on my way to heaven and I live good every day, you know? And you're living in rebellion, and my Bible says rebellion is a sin as witchcraft, so you might as well put on a pony hat and fly around on a broom, right? Uh, it wasn't the same kind of witches there, but still. Uh, it's, uh, uh, the, but the will of God is so important, right? So Hezekiah, uh, there was no discussion about the will of God for Hezekiah. It was only this was going to happen. Uh, and so, so we don't know why that sin happened, or why that sickness happened, but we do know prior to that, to, to that sickness occurring, right, back in, back in, um, uh, we were in Second Chronicles, right, in, uh, uh, let's see, where we were, Second Chronicles, oh, it was there, Second uh, Chronicles 32, uh, it said that in many brought, in verse 23, many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem in presence to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. So it doesn't say that he got in sin, but that would be a great temptation to get in sin right there. Right. Uh, now, we know the, cause, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't want everybody to be exalted. You know, I just want to stay a humble servant of the Lord. And yet, what did the Lord say? That if you actually were humble, what would the Lord do eventually? Exalt you in due season, right? Didn't he say that the, if you humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of the Lord, he will what? Exalt you in due season, right? So when you say, oh, I don't want to be exalted. I just want to be a humble servant of the Lord. Then, then you're lying because you're not doing, you know, I'll, you know, it just people are so fake, you know, fake humility, right? I want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. If he wants me to pastor 20 people the rest of my life, praise God, you know, no problem. If he wants to have this church explode and be a thousand people in his church, praise God, no problem. You know, I mean, it, it just, it doesn't matter, right? Whatever, whatever the Lord wants to do is fine. Uh, but see, the, the problem you've got to resist is, making sure that you're magnified in the sight of all nations, right? I mean, if they want to say that, fine, none of my business. But uh, I was, in fact, I was listening to Brother Hagen from, it was 1983, 
meeting that he had in February 1983. And so uh, on one of the services, he was about to get up to speak. But his, so his son got up, Ken Jr. Of course, Ken Jr. is still with us today. Uh, uh, but he got up and he said, I know my dad doesn't like me to do this, but, you know, he's one of the greatest men that's ever lived on this earth. You know, he's a great prophet of God. And, you know, he's done all these things, you know. And so at the end of it, he says, so I want to introduce, introduce, you know, the greatest prophet of our time, Kenneth E. Hagin. And so everybody's like, <sighs> and so, so, you, so everybody's clapping and, you know, applauding and stuff. Well, he, Brother Hagin gets up. Of course, I'm just listening to it. I can't see it, but he gets, and you can barely hear it over the mic. But if you listen real closely, you can hear him that he goes over to Ken and says, I told you not to say that. <laughs> uh, and so then after all the applause died down, he said, I told him not to say that. He said, I'm not a great man. I just serve a great God. Because uh, he didn't like people building him up, you know, and uh, because of concerns like this, like Hezekiah, right? Because there's no need. There's no need for you to build me up, right? There's no need for you to tell me how wonderful I am. I already know how wonderful I am, right? So, and I say that facetiously, but I know I'm a child of God. I'm, I serve a great king, right? So what can you do better than that, right? So if you tell me how wonderful I am, uh, you know, uh, it, it, I don't need to hear that. It's not, it doesn't help me, right? Because you know, some people, you know, they, 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 they feel inadequate and they need you to build them up. I don't need anybody to build me up. I'm happy every day, right? I don't need you to tell me how wonderful I am because, uh, you know, as often as not, I'm just as surprised at what I've preached from the pulpit as you are. I was just, you know, I'm thinking, wow, that's really good, Lord. I need to write that down. Uh, and Chris, you know, writes these things down, and, and, and uh, she'll and she'll put, you know, she put those things on faith. And I said, I said that. She goes, oh, Yeah. I said, That's really good. You know, I, I wish I wished I said that, uh, but I didn't say that. Uh, but it's just news to me, just like you, right? Uh, and so, uh, but you got to be careful about that. You know, number one, we're unworthy to be worshipped, right? Uh, and if you, if all ministers would remember that, it would solve so many problems. I am unworthy to be worshipped. You know, if we had a thousand people in here, somebody would want to worship the pastor, right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen people worship my, my pastor. Uh, I remember when, when Dr. Dufresne was here, so many hero worshipers just around him all the time. Oh, Dr. Dufresne, you're so amazing. You're such an amazing prophet of God, you know? And I'm just like, <laughs> because I held him in high regard, right? Uh, he was a great man of God. I, you know, and I would never tell him that because that would be inappropriate to tell him that. Uh, but I could still honor him, right? The Bible says, give honor to those whom honor is due. I, I got no problem with honoring anybody. Esteem them highly. That's what the word honor means, right? Nothing wrong with honoring people, but you can't go into worship because none of us are worthy to be worshiped, amen? None of us are worthy to be worshiped. And, and so, yeah, I believe that the issue here between verse 23 and 24 was Hezekiah started kind of believing his own press. And it says they, 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 that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. And I'm sure there was just a little bit of, yeah, I'm really good. You know, I've done, I'm such a good king. Look at me. I'm so wonderful, you know, because that temptation will come to all of us. I mean, if you do the smallest thing, right, you, you, you save a snail on the side of the road, you go, yeah, I am the snail saver. You all should be as worthy as me. I saved a whole snail today, right? I mean, people will get the big head over the smallest things in the world, right? I mean, just like, I'm so good. What have you done? I mean, I have not hurt anybody all day. I mean, I haven't cussed in like two hours. I am so awesome, right? Uh, and, and, it's, and it's so easy to do that. And what you'll find is you'll be out here. Will of God's here, you'll be over here. And then, you know, something will happen. You go, well, will God condemn me? You know, God is punishing me. No, you were in the perfect will of God. You got over here out into no man's land where there's no perfect will of God. 
the angels are over there, God's over there, you're over here, and the Lord's like, where are you at? You know? Remember, what, what did the Lord say to Adam when he, when he came back after Adam's sin? What was the first thing the Lord said? Adam, where art thou? So you mean the Lord really didn't know where he was at? No, he wanted Adam to know where he was at. Because he said, Adam, I'm looking for you in my will. I don't see you in my will. Where are you at? Adam should have said, I'm over here outside your will. That's what he should have said, right? Can I come back? I said, yeah, come on back, you know. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, the Lord hadn't lost Adam, but Adam walked away from the Lord, right? Where art thou? How many of the church, you know, right here between verse 23 and 24, I'm sure the Lord said to Hezekiah, where are you at? He said, oh, I'm building an altar to myself over here. I'm a wonderful person, right? And uh, that temptation will come to all of us. If you'll do anything, it'll come to you. Now, the, the one way to avoid it is to do nothing, right? But then you're still out of the will of God because the Lord said, let your, let your good works shine so that men will see them, right? Yeah, now, yeah. In one place it says, don't let them see them uh, to get glory. But in other cases, he said, let them shine so that men can see your good works. So which way is it? Well, you let them shine as long as it doesn't cause you to accept worship, mm-hmm. right? And then if you, if you think it's going to cause you to accept worship, then, then you've got to not do them until you get your heart straightened up. Uh, and, and, you know, in all of that, you know, uh, and I know we're, you know, I'm not trying to, to beat a dead horse here, but I just think it's a good topic because so many sick, so much sickness and disease are due to sins that nobody would point to him and say, that's a sin. Uh, everybody, they're a saint of God. How could they, how could they be sick? But you don't know, you know, what was what the hearts like this right here. No, no human could discern that heart. Now God can, but no human could go because they look like they're still doing all the perfect things, right? And they are. But they, they, they paused when the glory came their way. Uh, and, and so, uh, so you, you just, you have to be really careful about that, you know? And, and that's uh, why, you know, for me personally, that's why I like to follow people like Brother Hagen. Because, uh, there, and I've told you the story before, but I think in the context it's helpful, but there was a time when, when oil appeared in his hand. Uh, real oil, right? You remember the fake Bible oil that came through Dayton, you know, a few years ago, and they turned out it was tractor supply oil, right? And I, I mean, I like tractor supply. In fact, I was there just the other day, right? But I don't go down. There's no, there's no miracles in tractor supply. It's just screws and nuts and bolts, right? And, and, and apparently, big jugs of oil, right? Uh, and so, um, so it, was, it was fake, right? But they were, I mean, they were on the circuit. I mean, they're getting all the phone calls, getting all the meetings, you know, and all these things, and uh, and, and, I, and I really believe that they weren't so much trying to, uh, to take glory into themselves. When I read about it, you know, the impression I got is they were people who had been in a regular church and didn't like the structure of authority of the local church and wanted to set their own non-church organization up to show that God could still move in a non-church organization in a spirit of rebellion, but they didn't really say it that way. Uh, and, and it got started and they didn't know how to shut it down. They got started in rebellion and lies, and, and they didn't know how to shut it down. Uh, and anytime you get outside the structure of God's church, you know, people who don't want to become part of a local church, they're the flakiest people you'll ever meet. They'll have the craziest ideas and thoughts, and I wouldn't follow them to the grocery store. But people follow people like that all the time. Oh, they're, such, they're so wise and so spiritual and all this stuff. Uh, first question I ask every traveling minister that wants to come here, where do you go to church? That's my first question. Where do you go to church? And if you tell me, well, I'm between churches, well, then stay between churches because you ain't coming here, you know, uh, then, then um, uh, because if they can't support a local church, 
then, then what are they going to tell you all? Be like me and don't go to church? Then that would be the last meeting we had, right? And so, uh, so uh, but Brother Hagin said that oil came up in his hand. Uh, now, that was a real sign, right? Now, and the Bible talks about signs and wonders. So there are things that the Lord will do that's just a sign. Just a, it has nothing to do with nothing. He just wants to show himself strong in the earth. And so Brother Hagin didn't have any unction of anything to do because the Lord could have said, the oil is coming up. Now you lay that, that hand on everybody and, and you'll see the dead raised. You know, if the Lord had said that, he would have done that. But the Lord gave no other information what to do with it. So you know what he did with it? Stuck his hand in his pocket. And nobody knew about that for decades. Nobody. He finally told it close to the end of his life. Hey, this happened to me. What would you do with it? I just stuck it in my pocket. So then he had to take his suit to the cleaners after that, no doubt, right? And he got the oil stains on his... Well, I got oil stains in there. Well, you know, the Lord appeared to me. And, you know, uh, and so, uh, see, that's the general attitude we have. Always thankful. Always humble in that sense. If the Lord does something great, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he, isn't he an awesome God? And don't allow any of us to receive glory. Because if you do anything, the devil will try to, the devil will try to exalt you. But the Lord said he would exalt you in due season, right? So let the Lord do it. You know, if he wants to make you a worldwide evangelist, whatever, praise God, no problem, right? But you've got to let the, you know, uh, what does Psalm, uh, what's it, 127 say? Except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain that what? Build it. So they're building it, right? Plenty of people build up their own, their own uh, worship services to themselves, and they build it, right? But said, except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain, so it's of no value. And you ever been, been, to like ministries, and there's no value in that ministry. Big ministry, though, but there's no value. Why? Because the Lord didn't build it. They labored in vain, right? They labored. And, you know, with marketing and some slick production, you know, we can make things grow, right? We could give everybody, I mean, we're in Tennessee, right? So if we give everybody an automatic weapon that comes to church, we'd fill this church up tomorrow, right? <laughs> up, now up, in, up in, in, um, in like northeast, somewhere like that, you know, in, in liberal places, you'd have to give them like a bagel or something like that. But, you know. But here you can give, give them an automatic weapon. They'd, they'd be thrilled, right? Uh, and so we give them an electric vehicle up there, right? And so I don't know what to give them. I don't, you know, I'm not a marketing guy. So, but that sounds like it would probably work pretty good up there, right? Give them electric vehicles or something. And, uh, but um, uh, get some tofu or, you know, whatever. You, but, uh, and so uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we're getting off, off field there, right? So that's not my expertise. Right? I don't know how to do that. Uh, but so... Uh, Yeah, yeah. And they, they have a raffle. Really? Sweet, right there, right? So, <laughs> hey, you know, get them however you can, right? So, um, but um, I got to do what's on my path, you know, what everybody else, none of my business, what you do right there. But, um, uh, but if we'll, if, see, we want to stay inside the perfect will of God because uh, there could be things that come your way, sickness and disease that's got nothing to do with nothing, right? Remember John chapter 9, why is this man blind? Is somebody sinned? Jesus, no. Sometimes things just happen. But is there healing even when just things happen? Sure there is, right? Amen. So if you stay in the perfect will of God, it's easy. You know, there's no sin. No, no, nobody had to repent for John chapter 9, right? Nobody had to repent for the blindness. Jesus said, hey, we're here to, to show the glory of God. Uh, and so uh, it, it's easier to, to not have to repent uh, and get healing than, than to have to repent and then get healing. I mean, they're both really easy if, if you've got the right attitude with the Lord. You know, people that are, who love the Lord easy for them to repent, right? It's the, the rebellious people. I ain't repenting for nothing. Well, then die, I don't, you know, whatever, I guess, you know. Um, but um, so just, just take the story of Hezekiah as, as a warning to, to us to make sure that we want to stay in the perfect will of God 
And if the Lord blesses us to make sure that he gets plenty of thanks uh, because he's worthy of it, right? Yeah. Is he worthy to be for us to thank him? Yeah. He, I mean, he healed Hezekiah supernaturally, right? Caused the sun to go backwards 15 degrees. He's worthy. If, any, if anybody's worthy, he's clearly worthy to be worshiped, right? Uh, and to be adored and, and to be thanked. Uh, and, and no matter how great we think we are, we haven't created a single thing in the universe, right? Uh, and so none of us are worthy to be worshipped. Hezekiah kind of, you know, sound like he kind of got on the edge there that, yeah, I'm, I'm really important, right? Uh, and all of us, no matter what position you serve in the Lord's uh, army, all of us, that, that temptation to become uh, self-aware of your own value to be worshipped, that temptation will come to all of us, amen? It doesn't come to just the pastors, it comes to everybody, right? Uh, because that's the original sin. The devil wanted people to worship him. He wanted to be in charge of, of things, right? Even though he was in charge of a lot of things, it wasn't good enough. He wanted in charge of more things. He wanted to, to be the, the, the big dog on campus. Uh, and uh, I'm sure he's still kicking himself for that mistake, right? You know, because uh, if you think he's kicking himself now, wait a, a, a little while longer, you know, and he gets thrown in the lake of fire, he's going to be really disappointed at that point in time, right? And so... Uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the examples that you've given to us in your word. Uh, Lord, that if there's things in your word that you've exposed about the condition of people's hearts, then we'll take that as a warning to us, Father, that none of us are above that same temptation. And all of us should listen and watch the example of other people and avoid their mistakes, Father. We're not required to make our own mistakes. We can learn from the mistakes of others and, and avoid those and stay in the, the central will and blessings of the Lord. And so we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And um, I wanted to mention, too, that uh, we're looking at, uh, starting in April, uh, that we're going to renovate the sanctuary here, April 1st, or whenever the Sunday, or whenever that, around that time, uh, is to... Uh, renovate the sanctuary so we'll have to figure out what we're going to do we're not going to cancel any services but uh, we may have to do some online for a week or two they said it should only take two or three weeks to do all the work that we're going to do and uh, so we're going to try and minimize um, how much time we're down in the sanctuary and then uh, but between now and then we'll let you know what the plan is and we may meet here may meet in the kitchen we might meet next door at that building over there um, and so we've got a few options we could do go back to online services for a week or two uh, but um, uh, we'll let you know as we get uh, closer to that. Amen. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think it will have a, I think the, uh, have, uh, I think the sanctuary will look nice when we get done with it. Amen. Um, I know the preaching will still be good after it, right? So, um, but. Uh, <laughs> um, well, we talked to the contractor and he said that they've got a, um, the problem with the floor is that people don't put the right material on top. And so they actually did it at, uh, at one of the restaurants who didn't put that on there, and it was really slick. But he said after that, with that, it's coating just for that. He said you can walk on it wet with bare feet and not slide at all. So uh, if we get that coating, we think we're going to start with that. And if we have to come back and just carpet the whole thing, we can. It won't be a big deal either way. But um, So as long as we can get that particular coating on there, uh, then um, I think we'll be okay. So... That's the plan so far, right? But uh, it's just middle of February. Anything can change, right? Everything's subject to change between now and then, all right? All right, praise God. We'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next Sunday.